Introduction of the Life of Clara Barton, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. The Life of Clara Barton, Volume 1, by William Barton. Introduction. The Life of Clara Barton is a story of unique and permanent interest, but it is more than an interesting story. It is an important chapter in the history of our country and in that of the progress of philanthropy in this country and the world. Without that chapter, some events of large importance can never be adequately understood. Hers was a long life. She lived to enter her tenth decade, and when she died was still so normal in the soundness of her bodily organs and in the clarity of her mind and memory that it seemed she might easily have lived to see her hundredth birthday. Hers was a life spent largely in the nation's capital. She knew personally every president from Lincoln to Roosevelt and was acquainted with nearly every man of prominence in our national life. When she went abroad, her associates were people of high rank and wide influence in their respective countries. No American woman received more honor while she lived, either at home or abroad, and how worthily she bore these honors those know best who knew her best. The time has come for the publication of a definitive biography of Clara Barton. Such a book could not earlier have been prepared. The Life of Clara Barton by Percy H. Epler, published in 1915, was issued to meet the demand which rose immediately after her death for a comprehensive biography and it was published with the full approval of Miss Barton's relatives and of her literary executors, including the author of the present work. But by agreement, the two large vaults, containing some tons of manuscripts which Miss Barton left, were not opened until after the publication of Mr. Epler's book. It was the judgment of her literary executors concurred in by Mr. Epler, that this mine of information could not be adequately explored within any period consistent with the publication of a biography such as he contemplated. For this reason, the two vaults remained unopened until his book was on the market. The contents of these vaults, containing more than forty closely packed boxes, is the chief source of the present volume, and this abundant material has been supplemented by letters and personal reminiscences from Clara Barton's relatives and intimate friends. Clara Barton considered often the question of writing her own biography. A friend urged this duty upon her in the spring of 1876, and she promised to consider the matter but the incessant demands made upon her time by duties that grew more steadily imperative prevented her doing this 
In 1906, the request came to her from a number of school children that she would tell about her childhood, and she wrote a little volume of 125 pages, published in 1907 by Baker and Taylor, entitled The Story of My Childhood. She was gratified by the reception of this little book and seriously considered using it as the cornerstone of her long contemplated autobiography. She wrote a second section of about 15,000 words covering her girlhood and her experiences as a teacher at home and in Bordentown, New Jersey. This was never published and has been utilized in this present biography. Besides these two formal and valuable contributions toward her biography, she left journals covering most of the years from her girlhood until her death, besides vast quantities of letters received by her and copies of her replies. Her personal letters to her intimate friends were not copied as a rule but it has been possible to gather some hundreds of these. Letter books, scrapbooks, newspaper clippings, magazine articles, records of the American Red Cross, and papers, official and personal, swell the volume of material for this book to proportions not simply embarrassing, but almost overwhelming. She appears never to have destroyed anything. Her temperament and the habits of a lifetime impelled her to save every scrap of material bearing upon her work and the subjects in which she was interested. She gathered, and with her own hand labeled, and neatly tied up her documents, and preserved them against the day when she should be able to sift and classify them and prepare them for such use as might ultimately be made of them. It troubled her that she was leaving these in such great bulk, and she hoped vainly for the time when she could go through them, box by box, and put them into shape but they accumulated far more rapidly than she could have assorted them, and so they were left until her death, and still remained untouched, until December 1915, when the vaults were opened and the heavy task began of examining this material, selecting from it the papers that tell the whole story of her life, and preparing the present volumes. If this book is large, it is because the material compelled it to be so. It could easily have been ten times as thick. The will of Clara Barton named as her executor the beloved and trusted nephew Stephen E. Barton. It also named a committee of literary executors to whom she entrusted the use of her manuscripts for such purpose, biographical or otherwise, as they should deem best. The author of these volumes was named by her as a member of that committee. The committee elected him as its chairman and requested him to undertake the preparation of the biography. This task was undertaken gladly, for the writer knew and loved his kinswoman and held her in honor and affection. 
but he knew too well the magnitude of the task ahead of him to be altogether eager to accept it. The burden, however, has been measurably lightened by the assistance of Miss Sadie F. Riccius, a grandniece of Miss Barton, who, under the instruction of the literary executors and the immediate direction of Stephen E. Barton and the author, has rendered invaluable service, without which the author could not have undertaken this work. In her will, written a few days before her death, Miss Barton virtually apologized to the committee and to her biographer for the heavy task which she bequeathed to them. She said, quote, I regret exceedingly that such a labor should devolve upon my friends as the overlooking of the letters of a lifetime, which should properly be done by me, and shall be if I am so fortunate as to regain a sufficient amount of strength to enable me to do it. I have never destroyed my letters, regarding them as the surest chronological testimony of my life, whenever I could find the time to attempt to write it. That time has never come to me, and the letters still wait my call. End quote. They still were there, undisturbed, thousands of them, when the vaults were opened, and none of them have been destroyed or mutilated. They are of every sort, personal and official, and they bear their consistent and cumulative testimony to her indefatigability her patience, her heroic resolution, and most of all to her greatness of heart and integrity of soul. Interesting and valuable in their record of every period and almost every day and hour of her long and eventful life, they are the indisputable record of the birth and development of the organization which almost single-handed she created the American Red Cross. Among those who suggested to Miss Barton the desirability of her writing the story of her own life was Mr. Houghton, senior partner in the firm of Houghton, Mifflin and Company. He had one or more personal conferences with her relating to this matter. Had she been able to write the story of her own life, she would have expected it to be published by that firm. It is to the author a gratifying circumstance that this work, which must take the place of her autobiography, is published by the firm with whose senior member she first discussed the preparation of such a work. The author of this biography was a relative and friend of Clara Barton and knew her intimately. By her request, he conducted her funeral services and spoke the last words at her grave. His own knowledge of her has been supplemented and greatly enlarged by the personal reminiscences of her nearer relatives and of the friends who lived under her roof and those who accompanied her on her many missions of mercy. In a work where so much compression was inevitable, some incidents may well have received scant mention which deserved fuller treatment. 
the question of proportion is never an easy one to settle in a work of this character. If she had given any direction, it would have been that little be said about her and much about the work she loved. That work, the founding of the American Red Cross, must receive marked emphasis in a life of Clara Barton, for she was its mother. She conceived the American Red Cross, carried it under her heart for years before it could be brought forth, nurtured it in its cradle, and left it to her country and the world, an organization whose record in the great world war shines bright against that black cloud of horror as the emblem of mercy and of hope. Wherever in America or in lands beyond, the flag of the Red Cross flies beside the stars and stripes. There, the soul of Clara Barton marches on. End of Introduction <laughs>